The interviews and discussions on this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hello there, I'm your host Peter Strachan. Welcome to Stockhead's Rock Yarn. 1414 Degrees Limited is a designer and developer of thermal energy storage systems. The company captures renewable electricity or biogas and using that energy to store heat in molten silicon, which then provides both green heat and power to industry as well as for grid support. Here to bring us up to date with progress towards commercialisation of this storage technology is the company's Chief Executive Officer, Matthew Squire. Welcome, Matt. How did 1414 gain access to this technology in the first place and what protection does it hold over the intellectual property? Hi, Peter. Thanks. The original concepts were actually developed at Adelaide University and the the properties of silicon have been well known. And then the original pilot concepts were developed in conjunction with people at Adelaide University in Adelaide. 1414 Degrees then continued on with those developments and patented the technology and constructed larger scale pilots down here in, in, in South Australia. And since then, there's been learnings made off those pilots. And now the what we believe is the an optimum design of the silicon thermal storage system has been optimised in what we're calling the Cybox, which we're now building at our warehouse here. So where does ownership lie with the company or does there a license, is there a licence to the university as well? Oh, no, no. The, the ownership is, is definitely with the company. It has been for a long time. It really started as, as, as projects at an early stage in the university, that's all. But we use, we have collaborated a lot with the university for um, R&D review type support and we still continue to do so today. At the heart of the technology is the the thermodynamics of it. And what's the special thermodynamic position or equation that makes silicon a better store of heat, say, than graphite? Well, silicon's got an extremely high melting point and it's an abundant material. So the idea is that utilisation of that high melting point means that you've got an extremely high energy storage density, if you like. And plus, when you re-deliver the energy that you've stored, you're delivering it at a much higher temperature, which means it can be used by a far greater array of industries. Yeah, so you're getting not just, you have the ability to actually sell heat uh, as well as using that heat to generate power, for instance. Yeah, you, you, you could generate power. So the, the choice of the energy recovery system and utilisation of the heat is really up to, up to customers. Our job is to create a flexible modular system that can be used by lots of industries. Yeah, and it, the the medium for holding the heat is that pure silicon, or does it have some magical other Colonel Sanders seven magical ingredients in it as well? There's definitely the Colonel Sanders element, and that is part of our intellectual property. That's the result of probably about six to seven years worth of work. Absolutely, there's some secrets, herbs, and spices 
It's a silicon, we call it a silicon-based alloy. But it's, so there are other metals in our silicon PCM, phase change material, that, that are utilised. So it, I guess the technology, in a way, in, in essence, is similar to those massive solar towers that already operate in the United States that used molten salt and others that are using uh, graphite as a store of heat. But as you say, you're able to store a lot more heat because of the high temperature of melting of silicon. It's, it's similar, but there's, there's some considerable benefits by our approach. One is the higher temperature, but also the fact that you're not pumping around that phase change storage material, which you are in molten salts. Our material, our phase change material is stagnant and still, and we extract the energy out through clean high temperature air, which we believe will be far more useful and simpler to install for energy users. So that you have to have some sort of heat exchanger then that contacts the silicon to, to take that heat either as hot air or to turn that heat into steam which drives a turbine or whatever. The sidebox will deliver the energy in high temperature air and then how you use that energy in that airstream is is up to the user. But there'll obviously be some form of heat exchanger or industrial heat capture process. But we, we found that actually there's no complexity on that side of it. The complexity is actually being able to deliver that consistent air fluid at high temperature. And then the secondary recovery that an energy customer installs is not a complicated process. Yeah, it's a bit like the bottoming cycle on a gas turbine which captures heat that comes out of a jet engine at 1200 degrees and then turns that back into power yeah i mean if you've got um if you're a minerals processing plant that wants a lot of heat at eight nine hundred degrees c we can provide it similarly we can use our same heat source to provide heat to say a brewery that uses a lot of steam or a food processing plant. It's just a matter of we've got we've got the heat at high temperature in its most usable form and we'll be able to service a bunch of industries. I imagine that with the high temperatures comes materials handling challenges and that you've overcome these by using some sort of refractories or whatever. The real challenge is actually the storage of the phase change materials to prevent things like oxidation and then and once you get oxidation, then you lose the latent heat parameters that we're trying to capture. The real IP is one, it's in the alloys that we use. And the second part of our IP is predominantly in the containment of those alloys in our, in our heat extraction system. It's, it's what's inside our cybox that is the key and, and, and the configuration of how you get the working fluid out that, that really matters. Matt, this technology has come out of the laboratories and it's been tested. At what level has the technology been tested and what's the company's target market for the process? It's probably fair to say it's been more than tested. I mean, we've run a 10 megawatt hour storage unit down at our facility at Lonsdale, um, which was then converted to handle not just the storage of electricity, it was converted to handle the storage of energy from biogas at, at SA Waters Glenelg site. So we've, we've sort of more than tested it, but really what we're doing now is we've, we, we've learned, we're, we're actually optimising what we found from those early projects. We're not too concerned with focus on any specific industry yet. We're getting a lot of interest. We feel with a partner like Woodside coming on board who is looking at a bunch of future renewable energy projects. 
the customers will come. We're focused now on proving the system through our demonstration module and quietly working up with uh, potential pilot partners in parallel to that. So we've started, we started that engagement and we've got a lot of interest. I suspect the, the real differentiating factor will be from um, minerals processing industries um, is, is one of my sort of sneaking suspicions. So when you say 10 megawatt, you mean 10 megawatt hours was stored? Yes, sorry, yeah. What's the business model for that 14, 14 plans to follow? I mean, will you build, own and operate? Uh, will you license the technology or will you work in joint venture as is planned with Woodside, as you say, or a mixture of all of these or more? The first step really is to work closely with the Woodside team and then they'll have a decision, a simple decision on whether or not they want to participate in the future on the technology and then that will then if they do um, that will then enable the creation of a um, an entity that will hold the the intellectual property and that entity will then be in a position to go and um, move forward with you know commercial projects if you like I think the the focus will, will be then on construction and manufacture of the systems to deliver to to um, large energy users, so I suspect it will be working in parallel with large um, energy aggregators today. They will be the guys that will probably want to use this system um, as a way to capture industrial energy customers that are looking for green solutions themselves in the future. So companies like Origin or AGL may well be interested. But we're seeing larger traditional oil and gas companies, for example, moving more and more into the downstream energy solutions space. So I suspect that partnering with them in the future um, will be a home for this technology. Yeah, well, we're seeing companies like Fortescue and, of course, Woodside moving into that area, and that that could be a, a separate business arm for them, partnering with 1414 uh, in, in a separate entity. Yeah, look, Peter, we're, we're, we're delighted with Woodside, frankly. We want to focus on the technical performance now of the Cybox. It's a very modular approach, a scalable system that can be used for so many applications that my focus is to make sure we're working in, junk, in conjunction with the Woodside team to um, prove that, that system. And then we'll work out with them, hopefully, in the future, what the best way to commercialise the technology is going forward. Sure. So initially, Woodside's stumping up $2 million, 200000 of which has already been paid. And for that, they'll get 49% of the joint venture company initially. Uh, no, uh, the percentage they get is yet to be determined. The, the percentage they get will be in proportion to an agreed value of what we think is the value of the technology. So that's all to be discussed. Really, the $2 million brings Woodside, in effect, exclusivity rights to work with us in making that decision. Good partner to have. Now, of course, that flows on to the, if we look at solar power, which is increasingly swamping Australian power grids and from 9am until 3pm or even 4pm daily, power prices regularly dive into negative territory. So it means that battery storage people or people who are storing energy like 1414 can effectively get their power for nothing or be actually paid to take the power off the grid. And so 
energy storage on a grid scale is obviously going to play an increasing role. What advantages will 1414 bring over other solutions like, say, flow batteries or lithium-ion batteries or pumped hydro? Well, the big, the big thing we deliver is, is heat. So it's not only, not only um, are you seeing excess renewable systems sort of push down electricity prices, we're also seeing natural gas shortages and, natural, and, and, and higher gas prices which is really the, com- the, the competition for heat, is um, what, what, we, what we give is a solution to, to, to natural gas. It's, it's kind of a double-edged benefit that, that we can bring. One, one, you can store excess electricity, and secondly, you can deliver it instead of burning fossil fuels. Yeah, so if you're a brick maker or a bread maker, you can use this. Yeah, and the, the third arm too, which I've tried to kind of allude to, but it's, it's difficult, is the fact that if you can do this behind behind the meter, then you can actually help work with industrial users to reduce the, for example, size of the infrastructure, whether it's a gas connection that they need, on their site. And hence, a, a lot of the costs that large industrial heat users pay is to have that MDQ available for when they need it. Now, if we can actually work with industrial users and um, suck in excess electricity and then reduce their gas demand, then we should actually also reduce their network charges and things like that. Yeah, well, I guess um, also it comes down to cost and we're seeing a bit of a focus on the round-trip energy efficiency. And I'd I'd be interested to know if you've calculated what that energy efficiency is for 14's technology compared with, say, an electric battery of various options or a green hydrogen to power. And I know, I mean, if you start off with uh, electricity and turn that into hydrogen and then use that hydrogen which you've stored to make electricity, you end up with about 25 or 30% of the electricity power that you originally started with. So it only works if you've got free power and, um, it, you know, you can store it. So in your case, I guess there's a, there's a round trip of energy efficiency. The actual conversion of the electricity to the heat is very high. Like we're targeting about 90%. And that really, that's simply the conversion of the electricity um, from the heating element within the side box to the hot air that comes out of the side box. But you've then got to take that hot air and use that hot air for your purposes. So the efficiencies that the ultimate user achieves will depend to a large extent on what they're using the heat for. Um, but and, and, and typically the larger the user, the more efficient that will be. But certainly that fundamental conversion of the electricity at the site to high temperature heat that's usable and ready should be in excess of 90%, around 90%. Yeah, and, and if you're taking heat from a, the bottoming cycle of a gas turbine engine, uh, you can convert something like you know, 60 70% of that energy to electricity. So it's a very high conversion. So producing heat is probably a good way to go. I think if we, can, if we can work with customers that have combined heat and power requirements, that'll be the maximum efficiency sort of levels. That, that you can achieve and um, 
you know, the, the, there's a lot of them around there and, and the planets are aligning for this now. So finally, Matthew, how will the company allocate its funding through 2022? Uh, through, through 2022, we've, um, we're very excited. We've got a partnership with Woodside that obviously will support us through a lot of our construction costs of our demonstration module. We've also, um, we, we were very delighted the, the Commonwealth recognised the potential of our technology and uh, we were successful in a grant, a modern manufacturing initiative grant for a further $2.2 million, which is focused on assistance with the commercialisation of the technology. So we have some reasonable funding for us going through 2022. Yeah, from these various joint ventures and grants. That's right. So notwithstanding that, we always spend money and um, and we want to spend money because because we want to make this as good a project as possible. Just quickly, Matthew, what do you think the, the key news lines will be coming through in the early part of this year? I think, I think that the key news will be one around potential commercialisation partners who get interested in, in the technology and would like to sort of work with us on, on a, a pilot program in the future. And then the other will be the obvious construction stages of the project, which, which will happen towards the back end of the year. But in conjunction with that, the, the 1414 Degrees has a very large um, renewable energy site, which we're working up in, in, with Avida, uh, a subsidiary of Gemini. And we're hopeful to sort of finalise that to a binding form so that that project gets moving ahead as well. Matthew, it's a very interesting technology and you're in the right space at the right time. Everyone wants low carbon energy and you're providing a storage solution. So thanks for coming in to talk with us at Stockhead Rockyarn today. Thanks, Peter. 